Israel should be commended for being the greatest protector of religious freedom and liberty in all of the Middle East. Amen. Obviously, you can't be a believer in Jesus in Iran without being beaten or imprisoned or hanged in the public square. Are Christians under growing attack in Israel? And what's behind the hostility against Messianic believers? Hi, and welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today I'm with Joel Rosenberg in Denver, Colorado, and we want to answer those very questions at this important time in Israel and the United States. Joel, welcome. Well, it's great to be with you from another part of Colorado. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here uh, in Denver. My folks live just outside of Denver, and uh, they're not doing so great. I appreciate prayers for them. They're in their mid-80s, and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's a tough season of life. Lynn's mom is in the same age range and situation. They're just, their health isn't so great. So we're we didn't. We weren't driven out of Jerusalem by uh, persecution or anything. We just right. are here in the states, uh, spending time with both of our families uh, who need that. So I appreciate uh, if the inside the epicenter uh, family would be praying uh, for my parents, for Lynn's parents. Uh, you've got some health issues in your extended family as well, and sure. uh, with your in-laws. And so, uh, yeah, it's just tis the season. I mean, tis unfortunately, but um, yeah. uh, but it's great to be back in the states. It's been a year since I've been here and uh, opportunities to have Joshua Fund board meetings in a few days, uh, getting the whole day of prayer and strategy and planning with you and and several others of, on our board uh, yesterday. And then I was doing some speaking in the States and stuff. So uh, it's mostly a family-driven trip, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's been great to be doing some ministry as well. And, and uh, this topic of the spike, uh, mm-hmm. not not just a one-off, but but a trend of hostility growing towards Christians and, and Messianic Jews in Israel is a real problem. It's something it's we've troubling. been covering at all Israel News on a regular basis, actually breaking some major stories about these things, uh, covering it on the Rosenberg Report. And I, yeah, I'm with you that I think we've got to focus on this in, in the Inside the Epicenter podcast because mm-hmm. we wish it wasn't happening, but it is. And we want our audience to understand what exactly is happening because we don't want to give the impression that there's a blanket attack right. against Christians or that all Israelis have turned against Christians or Messianic Jews. That, that's not accurate. But something mm-hmm. is happening. It is important. It's getting worse. What does it mean and where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, there has been an uptick, and I think it is important for us to identify what's behind those upticks as well and uh, and maybe talk about some of these things. You know, right now, uh, as we speak, President Herzog is here in the U.S., and um, he's going to be addressing the joint session of Congress and, and all of these uh, remarkable things that highlight the relationship between America and Israel. And yet one of the biggest News stories in Israel, uh, at least from uh, all Israel news and and uh, Rosenberg report recently, were were some of these incidents of of hostility of evangelical and messianic Christians being attacked, um, even violently, by Orthodox people in Israel. So maybe Joel, you can talk a little bit about why some of these attacks have taken place and and what this uptick might mean. Yeah. So first, I need to issue an apology to King Abdullah the Second of Jordan. Okay. And people are thinking, <laughs> this is a public apology. <laughs> I know. And, and, and I'm going to write about it on All Israel News. About a year ago, he gave a speech and he indicated that Christianity was under attack 
in Jerusalem. And the language he used, I thought, was too harsh. It was too strong. It wasn't that there weren't problems, but I thought he was overstating it. I said so. Mm-hmm. Um, that prompted a call to me from the uh, from a Jordanian official, not him, but uh, you know, saying we don't agree with that, and can we have somebody in the Jordanian government publish something on all Arab news that you know counters your position? I said yeah. absolutely, we'd be honored to publish that. So, so my mea culpa here is that um, while I don't think at the time it was as bad as the king was saying, it turns out he was ahead of the curve on something yeah. that has gotten worse. Since then, and so now, I think some of the language he was using then might actually fit the moment we're in now. And so, mm, I need wow. to write, um, you know, an op-ed on that, a column, and explain that. But let me just maybe for the way we pursue this in the podcast, let me just hit a couple of two or two or three major incidences that have happened in the last uh, just just in 2023, right? And then you can pull on the threads of any one of those, you know, as you see fit, Carl. Right. Um, the first one I would say is the bill that all Israel news broke uh, in the spring in March in which two orthodox ultra orthodox members of the Knesset the parliament introduced into the parliament that would have banned anyone sharing their faith with another person of a different faith <laughs> that was true the, the bill would ban that about anything anyone trying to persuade someone else uh, to change their faith, but it was specifically targeted at Christians. That's what the bill specifically said. And so uh, this was basically, I characterize it as an anti-gospel bill. Ironic, right? To be right. in Israel and you yeah. can't talk about Jesus and you can't say why he's the Messiah, why you believe it, why you hope other people will believe it. That was a serious threat. Now that particular, uh, one of the two authors of that horrible piece of legislation uh, or draft legislation had actually introduced that every year since 1999. So some people in Israel, including in the government, said this person does this all the time. It's never become a problem. Why are you so upset? The reason we were upset, the reason we exposed the story on all Israel news was because the nature of the Netanyahu government is much more skewed towards highly nationalistic Orthodox and ultra Orthodox members. So it was possible in a way that it hadn't been possible for the last 20 some years, that this was a train that could have left the station and Netanyahu, even though he's always been pro Christian, I would say the most pro Christian leader of Israel, someone who's not Christian himself, but he could have been under tremendous pressure from his coalition. You've got to let this bill move forward. Right. That would have been a threat. And that's why we exposed it. And it became a huge story uh, in Israel and, and internationally. And within four days, Bibi had put out a statement saying, okay, we're never going to let that happen. So don't worry about that. And so that was a big And story. that was largely because, I mean, I'm going to just say it, the all Israel news story went viral and it was picked up it by did. news services all over the world. And I think that put enough pressure on the Netanyahu administration to say, okay, time out. We're not going to make, we're going to make a definitive statement. That's not going to happen. That's right. And I think BB, that was always his instinct. But the problem was, I don't, you know, I don't even think he'd been paying attention to the fact that two of his coalition members had introduced this bill again and yeah. why there was a very real concern in Israel and outside that this thing could take off. Somebody has to stop it. And that has to be Bibi Netanyahu. So yes, it did go viral. It got picked yeah. up by secular media, Christian media, Jewish media. And I've never seen a story that I was part of have that much impact that fast. And I wasn't even asking people to be lobbyists. I was asking people right. to pray. And right. uh, anyway, it, it, they did. <laughs> and it worked very, well, very, very fast. Well, but that was it, a it was signal great. 
that we've got a problem, that there are people in the government. These are actual members of the sitting government of Israel that were doing that. Now, that was one. Number two um, was the fact that the new government in Israel has several players in it, cabinet ministers, who've been very hostile to Christians and Messianic Jews. Mm -hmm. One of them is a man uh, named Itamar Ben-Gavir. Itamar Ben-Gavir uh, was considered so extreme in his youth that the Israeli military refused to conscript him, draft him into the military because they didn't want to put a gun into his hands. Oh my Because gosh. he'd been so outspoken as an extremist, a, a threatening violence against Arabs. They're like, there's no way we're putting a gun in that guy's hands. So they didn't draft him. He, for years, was a sort of a rabble rouser against Palestinians, against Israeli Arabs. And he actually had a photo framed in his living room for decades of an Israeli who had taken a submachine gun, walked into a mosque, and started firing at everybody. And I think he killed 19 Palestinian Muslims while they were praying. Horrible. The guy was arrested, of course, sent to prison. But Itamar Ben-Gavir revered him considered wow. him a model and put his photo up in his living room for decades wow. until he ran for parliament. And then he took it down. He's our new police chief, not just police chief. He's the minister of public security in Israel. And he's an extremist. And I don't say that lightly, but that, and, and one other thing about that, he, not only are all those things about him true, but when an, a messianic Jewish pastor was targeted by a Jewish extremist terrorist, 15 years ago, so 17 years ago, uh, with a bomb to blow him up and his family. The pastor wasn't home that day, and his 16-year-old son happened to get this package of candy and stuff that was set on the doorstep, opened it up to see what it was. It blew up, almost killed the 16-year-old boy. The terrorist that was eventually, you know, the Israeli Jewish terrorist that was eventually arrested and convicted, his name was Jack Titel, and he was unrepentant. He was like, darn right I did this. I would kill anybody. You know, I mean, basically his, his, his overall view was he didn't do anything wrong. Who was his lawyer? Itamar Ben-Gavir. Oh, my God. Not good. Not he's, good. And he's our minister of public security. That's two. Wow. Not good. Third, right. we had a concert a few weeks ago, right. mid-June, late June, in which evangelical and Messianic Jewish people were invited to come to the largest church, the largest evangelical church in mm. Jerusalem, in Israel. And it was for a, an evening of worship music. Okay. Pretty sure. harmless. Right. But um, the deputy mayor of Jerusalem decided to mobilize young extremists Orthodox activists to harass, attack, shout down, prevent anybody from entering that concert. And wow. police had to be called. More police had to be called. Uh, we show video of this on all Israel News. And, uh, and it was a bad scene. And then one more actually it was about a week or two before that in which the same deputy mayor of Jerusalem uh, decided to mobilize uh, extremists. And he himself went to shout down, attack bully, interfere with evangelicals who were praying and worshiping and standing with Israel against anti-Semitism for the state of Israel right by the the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And that became a huge news story as well that we covered both on All Israel News and and, and the Rosenberg Report. And I'm just saying, those are just a few. Wow. But those have been some of the biggest ones. And and we're we're just talking since the beginning of the year. So that is a bad trend line. 
Yeah. And uh, and there's been other uh, defamation sure. of Christian cemeteries and uh, vandalism against Christian churches, some of them Roman right. Catholic, some of them Orthodox, some of them evangelical and Messianic. So those are just a few, but th- that gives yeah. you a flavor of why we're talking about this in the summer of 2023 is that, you know, because if people are not paying attention, they might not realize something is going on that's yeah. hostile to yeah. Christianity. Well, we're going to talk about uh, more about what's behind all of that and what uh, what we can be praying about. Um, but we're going to take a quick break here, Joel, and then uh, we'll come back and, and talk about the rest of that in just a minute. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Our verse of the day today is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And our prayer requests today are to, number one, pray for the leaders in Israel, that they will do the right thing and be a worthy example to others. And second, pray that God quenches every internal uprising in Israel that would destabilize peace, prosperity, and the penetration of the gospel in Israel. Well, Joel, we're back, and this is a sobering topic, and one that's a little bit difficult maybe for some of our uh, listeners, regular listeners to understand. Some will understand why. But this uh, current political climate and the uh, social climate uh, led by some of these radical Orthodox Jewish people in Israel against Messianic Christians, what is really behind all of that, maybe theologically or socially? Or, and what's what's driving all of this? Yeah, it's a good question, Carl. I think there's three elements right now. First goes back to the first century, right? John chapter one tells us that he, the Messiah, Jesus, came to his own, the Jewish people, but his own received him not. Hmm. But to as many as did receive him, the Gentiles, yourself and others included, most of our audience, to them, he, the Messiah, Jesus, gave, and the Father in heaven, gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So meaning even from the first moments of Jesus appearing, maybe not in the manger, but certainly his his public proclamation of the gospel and, and doing miracles and, and getting people to think, I think that guy's the Messiah. Am I supposed to follow him? Is that the really is that really the one? Ever since then, for two thousand years, there's been tension yeah. between Jews who say, Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Thank God he's you know the Messiah's finally come. We embrace him. Right. And those who don't see it and are hostile to him and see that Jesus and his followers are a threat. That's the way they see it. We're not. 
a threat mm-hmm. to the Jewish people. We're the greatest blessing to the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. But there has been this perception that some Jews have, and we see it in terms of actual persecution in the first century. The Apostle Paul himself, right, was the worst persecutor of the church when he was Saul, a top Pharisee, just fanatical against Jews or Gentiles. But at that point, it was really Jews who believe in Jesus. And he was, you know, we, we know his story and we know how radically he was saved. And he himself tells us, look, it's not going to get better. I mean, all who will live a godly life in the Messiah, will Jesus, persecuted. will be persecuted. Yeah. That's just what he told his young Jewish disciple, Timothy. And it's borne out to be true. So that's the central reason, right? There's this, this spiritual conflict between Jews who believe in Yeshua mm-hmm in Jesus as Messiah, and those who do not, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is there is a growing movement in Israel of ultra-Orthodox, or what I would say is extremist nationalist Orthodox. Hmm. They're not actually ultra, but they have an extreme version of modern national Orthodox Judaism, which we'll we'll, we'll pick apart in a moment because it's important to get these nuances. But there's a movement of people that they hate Jews who believe in Jesus, hmm. and they believe they're doing the right thing. I mean, I believe it's sincere what they believe because we it was sincere in Paul right. when he was right. Saul. They're wrong, but it doesn't mean they're any less ferocious about their beliefs, just like he was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's something that's growing. You know, it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's growing, and they're more politically powerful today than they were a few years ago. This particular Netanyahu government – Netanyahu is not this, but his, some of his coalition members are. Netanyahu is a, is a fairly secular Jew. He's respectful of Jews who are religious, and he's respectful of Christians who are, are sincere and devout in their faith. He believes that Christians – Netanyahu believes that Christians are a strategic – Ally, ally of the ally. Jewish people and the nation mm-hmm. of Israel. But he also is managing a complicated coalition where in order to be the prime minister again, he felt that he needed, had to have these types of ultra-Orthodox and I would say extremist radical Orthodox in his coalition. We've never seen a coalition like this ever before. Right. So those are two elements and, and I think because they feel emboldened and they're in the part of the government, now they feel, okay, we're going to start to impose our worldview mm-hmm. on people. I think the third reason, which is related, but it, it is unique and separate, is that there is a growing number of Israeli Jews who are following Jesus more than ever. Maybe, sure. maybe not more than ever in history. The first century, we know there was several tens of thousands We see this in the book of Acts. It says when Paul comes back to Jerusalem after his missionary journeys, he comes back and the Jewish believers tell him, this is exciting. There are are tens of thousands of Jews who now believe in Jesus. And uh, so that's at least 20,000. Maybe that was 30,000. I don't know. There's about 30,000 Israeli Jews today who believe in Jesus as Messiah and another 5,000 or so Arab Israelis who believe in Jesus. But even more, there's a much larger, I mean, hundreds of thousands of Israeli Jews who are watching videos of testimonies about Jews who've come to faith in Jesus or are reading books or or searching and have questions about, could it be that Jesus is actually the Messiah? We we have a lot of data now over the last five or 10 years of how many Israelis are looking specifically at Jesus. Could he be the one and could we have missed him? 
That combination is bothering, I would say, freaking out. Freaking out, yes. Jews who already are hostile to Christians. Now, there are many Jews who don't agree with us that Jesus is Messiah, but they're like, no, we, but okay, fine, we disagree. But we're glad that you guys love Israel. We're glad you guys uh, love the Jews. We're glad you fight anti-Semitism, stand with Israel, and bring your tours here. So there is this cohort. It's small, but it's exerting exerting their influence more and more to get more aggressive, Mm -hmm. even up to the deputy mayor of Jerusalem. Yeah. One of the deputy mayors and even the, the, the minister of, of public security. Yeah. That's a problem. And we're, we're having to learn how to navigate this. Sorry, that's a long winded answer, no, but that's actually the shortest way I know how that, to put it. Well, and, and people, you know, listening who are not familiar with this, you know, and think, uh, well, surely uh, a messianic believer uh, in Jesus, you know, uh, practices a lot of the Jewish traditions and maybe keeps the the fasts and various other things uh, as part of their messianic worship. How could that be possibly threatening to Jewish Orthodox people? And and yet they they've coined this term called missionary terrorism to condemn any organization, Christian, uh, messianic, or evangelical, from doing activity in the country. How how do you respond to that concept? Maybe identifying it as uh, as being just a false narrative. Yeah. Okay. So let's try to break that out in a couple of pieces. I'll try to keep it concise. I think the first issue here is religious liberty. Mm. Okay. Israel should be commended for being the greatest protector of religious freedom and liberty in all of the Middle East. Amen. Right? Obviously, right. you can't be a believer in Jesus in Iran without being beaten or imprisoned or hanged in the public square. Okay. So. There's no religious freedom in Iran, right? You can't be an outspoken follower of Jesus and tell other people about your faith if you live in Damascus. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could potentially be a follower of Jesus and keep your mouth shut, right? But you can't be telling people the good news that, by the way, yeah, I hope you will at least listen to and maybe even believe what I believe. You can't do that in Damascus. You can't do that in Mecca and Medina, there's not even churches in Saudi Arabia. We've talked about Saudi Arabia. I'm glad for the trajectory of overall more and more social and cultural freedoms that there are, but there isn't religious freedom yet. But Israel is this amazing country, a democracy where, yes, it's a Jewish democracy. So first priority in the Israeli system is Jews get to be Jews. Like if you're a religious Jew, God bless you. If you're a secular Jew, fine. You know, whatever type of Jew you want to be, you can be. And that includes Messianic. Now, people don't have to be happy with it, but you legally can be a follower of Jesus and be Jewish and Israel. And you can't be arrested for that. You can't be, you know, tortured for that. You can't, you can't be kicked out of the country for that. If you're an Israeli citizen and you're Jewish and you believe in Jesus, you have every right to do that. That's what religious freedom is. Israel is an, is a signatory to the, I think it was 1949 UN Mm -hmm. Human Rights Charter, in which religious freedom is a central element, including Mm -hmm. not only the right to practice your faith, but the right to preach your faith and to change your faith. That's right. That's Now, some people say you should have the right to practice your faith, but you can't tell other people about it. Well, that's not religious freedom. Yeah. Um, It might be freedom of worship, but it's not religious freedom. You can have the, having just the freedom to worship in your own house or your own church is good, but true religious freedom means you get to tell other people if you want. They don't have to listen. They don't have to like it. Now, you can't harass them. You can't coerce them. You can't deceive them, but nor would we do that. 
Right. So being able to tell other people about your faith is critical. That's why that anti-gospel bill was so dangerous. But also the right to change your faith. Yes. That is religious freedom. And so Israel has it. But is it under stress? Yes, it is. And I think to me at the heart of this is there's a fear growing amongst extreme Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Jews that actually this gospel message is starting to be listened to Mm -hmm. and considered more seriously among Israeli Jews than ever before, at least in their memory of their lifetime. And I think that's true, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you hate that dynamic, that trend, you have to ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? Sure. And in a democracy, you can certainly, yeah, they have every right to protest us, but you don't have the right to you know, beat us up or, you know, or attack us or, you know, you can't commit a crime, but you can certainly make your case against our case. That's freedom. That's democracy. And it's messy. And it's messy. I give give Israel just a boatload of credit for how it protects religious freedom. But maybe we'll talk about in a moment. There are two deputy mayors of Jerusalem, right? The epicenter of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and one hates Christians, yeah. and one loves Christians, right. and these two are such an interesting microcosm of the battle that's going on right now. Yeah. Well, you know, it's fascinating because I think I think you, you make the great point that Israel is the uh, freest, uh, religiously speaking, country in all of the Middle East, and there's no question about that. You know, most Americans who go there will be amazed that there's even any hostility against that. But, you know, the, the Messianic community has a slightly different trigger, uh, if you will, for the, the hostilities that are coming there because they are, uh, they're Jews and they are uh, saying we are Jews who believe in Messiah, who in Jesus. And uh, that in itself is a, is a different trigger than Christians coming from New York or New Jersey or, you know, and, and coming to Israel. Well, and, true. Know. But Carl, what's interesting is one of the biggest brouhaha's explosions was against Gentile evangelicals at the Western Wall. They were near mm-hmm. the Western Wall. They were actually at the Southern Step. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. And those who come with us, we'll, well, we'll keep you safe. But when you come with us in late November, you're going to see, you're going to meet Jewish and Arab followers of Jesus. And you're going to get to walk in this land and you're going to see the religious freedom and pluralism. It's amazing that like a million Muslims worship Allah on the Temple Mount yes. at the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. They have the freedom to do it. What's interesting is you're right. What we think we should be seeing, if we just think about Jewish history, are Jews who hate Jesus criticizing or sadly attacking Jews who love Jesus. That we have a context for. What's interesting here is – what this deputy mayor of Jerusalem was saying and all his his rabble that he had he'd mobilized against mm-hmm. these evangelical Gentiles from other countries who'd come, you know, you were there. We were there that week yeah, uh, right. of the Jerusalem prayer breakfast and the Isaiah 62 uh, uh, global prayer event was you go home. Like you Christians go home. You have no right to be in our holy places. You have no right to Jerusalem. You get out of here and we hate you. And that was – Astonishing because generally speaking, Gentile evangelicals who stand with Israel and love Israel are widely appreciated, at least by the government and the sort of uh, the, the leadership of yeah, Israel. The mainstream, yeah. Yeah. And and I want to say, too, it was extremely gratifying at the Jerusalem prayer breakfast to have the speaker of the Knesset uh, publicly apologize to the Christian community globally for 
the hostilities that were expressed there. And, you know, and, I, the, I, and, the, and he himself is secular. Actually, yeah. he's also homosexual. So that yeah. was interesting that he was d- defending the religious freedom of Israel. And as the speaker of the parliament, you know, the, the, one of the highest positions, he was welcoming evangelicals from other countries and grateful that we were there. But as you recall, we also heard from Matan Kahana. Mm-hmm. Um, Matan Kahana is Orthodox himself a former fighter pilot, a former special forces commando. You and I and our delegation uh, last year had had uh, coffee with him and, and, and got to spend, you know, an hour, hour and a half with him. He was at that time the religious affairs minister. Now he's former and he's in the opposition to Netanyahu. But the point is he himself also in the Knesset welcoming us, apologized and said this, you know, what happened does not reflect mm-hmm the Israeli government or the opposition or the society. Society in general, yeah. Something is spiking that's causing sort of very aggressive extremist Orthodox Jews to not only attack Jewish believers in Jesus, but they're now they're coming against Gentiles. And as I mentioned earlier, but I didn't spend enough time on it, what King Abdullah of Jordan was raising, he wasn't even raising attacks against Jewish believers in Jesus or even Gentile evangelicals. He's talking about Roman Catholic churches, Orthodox yeah. churches that are getting yeah. defaced, um, getting vandalized, yeah. Uh, yeah. priests being roughed up in the streets of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And he he said that it, Christianity is under an existential threat. I think that was the close to that. That was certainly the sentiment. And again, I at the time thought I thought that was overblown. I, w- I still wouldn't call it an existential threat, right. but it, but he definitely was identifying something that I am reluctantly having to say it's worse than I thought. It's not as bad as he said, the king said, but it is real and it's rising. And that is a- an aggression against all forms of Christianity. And I would say, I mean, you and I would say, I think a Roman Catholic and Orthodox, you know, Greek Orthodox or, you know, Syrian Orthodox or whatever, Russian Orthodox – how are, how are they a threat to anybody? They're not evangelistic. They're not trying to tell mm-hmm. Jewish people, hey, Jesus is the Messiah, and don't you want to come follow him? They're, they're pretty quiet about mm-hmm. that. And so why would Orthodox, extreme Orthodox, why would they be so upset? Why are they harassing these people? Why are they defacing their churches? Something is going on, and it, it's, it's part of a increased aggression yeah. and an assertion of power and of bullying – yeah. against people that they don't agree with. And that is problematic because we also know from their leaders, they want to impose a very Old Testament type of Jewish law on everybody, whether they want to follow that or not, whether it's mm-hmm. kosher food, no buses or trains on the Sabbath, or a hundred other issues. But they want to stamp out Christianity in Jerusalem and throughout Israel. That's a problem because they're exerting themselves in a way that we I, we haven't seen in, in a while like this. It is a growing challenge, and you know, and even as we talk about, it, it's not the mainstream yet, or or even will become the mainstream. You know, a, a radical fringe can have a tremendous impact, um, far disproportionate to their numbers. I, I think, yes. you know, and I think that's what we're saying here is that this should be taken seriously as far as the impact that this minority is having. But, you know, I remember, too, you know, I love I love your comment about there's a reason that some of this is being uh, provoked, if you will, 
uh, in the orthodox uh, radicalized communities. It's real similar what, uh, you know, you know, I used to work with the late brother Andrew uh, for many years, and he would say, you know, if you're not getting shot at sometimes, you have to ask yourself, why are you not worth a bullet? And I think some of our uh, brothers and sisters uh, in, in Messianic congregations are starting to get popped up above the radar because they are making a difference. They are making some impact there, and they're, they're drawing fire from some of those that are, that are hostile to that. That's true. And, and, I, and I would add two quick points. Mostly over the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, I would say we've been in the, the most peaceful and relaxed and calm environment between Jews and Christians in Israel in yeah. all of history. History, yeah. That there's been a season where we really haven't seen these types of attacks. We had seen them in the early years of, of uh, the growth of Messianic Judaism when people were very hostile in Israel to Messianic Jews. And then over time, we began to see Israelis shift and think, you know, look, I don't agree with evangelical Christians or Messianic Jews, but are they really such a problem? Aren't they the ones standing with us? Aren't they? The, 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 and in a world where so many other people actually hate us, are we really going to go pick a fight with the people that love us, even though we disagree with them theologically? Mm-hmm. And I think for the last 15 years or so, I would make the case that it's been fairly calm in these relations, even as Messianic Jews have been much more bold because maybe because of the freedom. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another conversation for another day. But it's true that Jewish believers in Jesus in Israel have been much more bold over the last 15 years than they ever had been. Yeah. It made it easier because their cars weren't being trash. Their, their, their churches weren't being burned. They mm-hmm. weren't being bit up or spat upon. So that was good. Yeah. But in that boldness, that's where the anti-gospel bill came from. That's where these attacks, mm-hmm. because now there's a pushback. And I think it, it shows, yes, that there's a, that there's a problem. So that's one point. But the, real quick, this, there's one other point, And that is, I, I believe this is going to get worse, not better. Mm-hmm. We, I'm asking people to pray that the Lord would be protective of the believers, but we would also be shrewd and we would also be innocent that we would be bold but we wouldn't Mm -hmm. be weird (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that we'd be Mm -hmm. look every everybody jews muslims everybody they deserve a chance to at least hear the case yeah that jesus is the messiah why do we believe it what does the bible say and then they can make their own decisions we're not trying to coerce people we're not trying to you know trick people everybody has has the right to hear it we have the right to say it Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean people are going to be always happy about it but this is going to get worse why well, I mean, we've got plenty of prophecy that we can get into about, you know, more and more persecution in the last days. But here's the key. I'll close on my part with this simple point. There's a dynamic in which the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox world is growing in Israel, even though most Israelis are secular or traditional. Mm-hmm. Only about 20 to 25% are super religious. But there's a dynamic. And what's that dynamic? Well, the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews don't have to serve in the army if they don't want to. Some do, some don't. If they want to study the Torah instead of get a job, the men can get subsidies from the government so they don't have to get a job and they don't have to pay taxes Mm. and the government pays them. It's almost like a welfare Mm. system. And if you have more children as an ultra-Orthodox Jew, you get more money. And just like American welfare, what you subsidize, you get more of. So what's happening is the ultra-Orthodox and I would say aggressive Orthodox community is actually physically growing. They're having more children. Mm-hmm. And therefore, more political influence than secular or traditional Jews, or even sort of modern Orthodox, but not highly aggressive nationalistic Orthodox. That's a different show, a different topic for a different show. The yeah, differences within modern Orthodoxy 
many modern Orthodox Jews come to me and they say, we don't agree with this. And we're horrified. We think we need to do more to work with Christians. And even you, Joel, even though you're a little spooky because you're Jewish and you believe in Jesus, that's not, not comfortable to us. But we still think you're an ally, yeah. not an enemy. And that makes them different from these others. So this is a, a community. The, the aggressive community is growing. And that's having political implications that go far beyond just the relations between Jews and Christians. Yeah. But that is one of them. And that's a part of what we're seeing and what yeah. we need to be praying about, uh, that our community would flourish and grow, but also that we'd learn to be wise and learn how to discern how to navigate in a world that doesn't like us. And increasingly, some really hate us. Yeah. That is fascinating. We're going to need to leave that here for now, but I think we'll, we'll come back and do another podcast on the, uh, the remarkable cooperation that we see from some Israeli Jewish people, even Orthodox people with the Christian and Messianic communities that have been there as well. Kind of the other side to this story. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think it'd be time to ask them, would you come on and talk about some of these issues? You're exactly. Jews, you don't believe in Jesus, you're not comfortable with all this, but but help us separate out and understand the dynamic. Yes, exactly. Well, hey, Joel, thank you so much for this podcast. And um, and to our listeners, again, thank you for listening and to really be engaged with us on this uh, and the work that the Joshua Fund is doing to to bless Israel and the neighbors in the name of Jesus. And, and if you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, the work that we do, you can learn about it at our website at joshuafund.com. And there we'll give you lots of information on what God is doing in the Middle East and how the Joshua Fund is working in the epicenter to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus and how you can participate in the healing work that we're doing in this region. And as always, if you've heard something on this podcast that you'd like more information on, you can check out our show notes. For Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund, and I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you on behalf of our entire board and staff to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways, there's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come. And we want you to see it. We want you to walk where Jesus walked. We want you to see where the apostles ministered. We want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to see this city where Jesus died and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly because I think this thing is going to fill up fast. The Prayer and Vision Tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. 
and we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 